Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. We pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. So if you're new to Bluff First, my name is TJ. I'm the lead pastor here. That was my wife, Brooke, and uh, we were just delighted to be able to serve you. Thank you so much for being here on this Super Bowl Sunday. It's an exciting day. Um, listen, I love football, but I think I love Super Bowl food more than I like Thanksgiving food even. Like, it's, it's my day. And so um, looking forward to um, being very full uh, this evening. Again, this is, as Brooke mentioned, this is uh, Trellis is kind of winding to an end here. At least the series is. This will be our next to last uh, sermon. So next Sunday will be our final sermon, which we are very excited about. And then after that, um, those of you maybe who love studying the Bible, or maybe you've never studied a book of the Bible uh, before in depth, after Trellis, we're going to be starting a series uh, walking through the book of Philippians, which I have never preached through. Um, during, we've referenced it, but never, you know, verse by verse or anything in the six years that, five or six years I've been the pastor. So excited about uh, Philippians. Each week in the Trellis Challenge, if you're new, you might even be like, what is a trellis? It's just that piece of wood or uh, plastic in your grandma's backyard that she had with plants hanging off of, basically. Um, it's a framework or a structure that helps a vine or a plant grow in the direction you want it to grow so it doesn't tangle up and die. And so in this series, we have been introducing challenges, habits, rhythms to try to grow our lives a certain way um, because the, the fact of the matter is our lives are growing in, in some direction, and if we're stressed and too busy and things are hectic and chaotic and we don't have time for the things that matter most and we don't have time for God, chances are our rhythms, our habits are a part of that. And so we've been introducing new habits like reading the Bible before you even look at your phone in the morning and praying throughout the day. And we talked about fasting one week. Uh, last week online, ironically, we talked about screen time and watching less TV as we had church on TV and watching being on your phone less as some of you watched on your phone. And, um, and so we've had all different kinds of challenges and, uh, and, and it hasn't been easy. Hopefully you've tried some of them and been blessed, but it has not necessarily been easy. In fact, uh, one of my buddies, he might be here, um, told me, man, you know what? I thought I would be nicer when I was fasting, but I've been kind of cranky. Um, you know, it's like, I'm doing this for Jesus. I should be in a better mood. And I'm like, no, dude, you take food away from me and I'm cranky too. Um, but we're trying to grow our lives away from that stress and that busyness and that chaos. And so um, we're going to largely be in the beginning of your Bible uh, this morning, Genesis and Exodus. So if you want to look at Genesis 2, that's where we're going to be first here in a moment. Um, today's sermon probably could have worked earlier in the series, but I'll be honest with you, I needed a couple months just to get my heart and my life uh, ready to teach on it. And so here's today's challenge. Our next to last challenge is this, to create an actual weekly Sabbath. And everybody said, oh, right? Can you imagine in our culture a Sabbath, a day off, a day of no work? How many of you have heard the word Sabbath before, okay? Not just Black Sabbath, but you've heard the word Sabbath, right? Um, the word Sabbath itself, that word means to stop, to pause, to cease, especially from work. And the biblical concept of Sabbath is a 24-hour period. It's a day, a day set apart to not work and to rest on purpose. Not just when you're sick, not just when you're injured, not just when you're on vacation, but to every week take a day and not work. And so we're going to take a look at what the Bible says 
about Sabbath. And we're looking at the Bible because the fact of the matter is Sabbath is God's idea. It's not a cultural construct. Sabbath is God's idea. If you're taking notes this morning, Sabbath is God's idea. I know half the room already maybe kind of checked out, like uh, that's not going to happen, you know, not going to take a Sabbath. Your job is that important. I get it. Your life is that busy. Your bills are that big. And I get that because I think like that too. I think, man, there's no way. Um, Brooke and I have known as we prepared this series that Sabbath was coming in the series for months. And I'm not proud of this as your pastor, but I have dreaded it. We're like, how in the world are we going to take a Sabbath, right? And I know like my brother always jokes, like, you're a pastor. You only work one day a week, right? And, and uh, I wish that were true. That would be awesome, right? But it's just not the case. And so we have, we have dreaded it. And, and so we've been working on it and getting ready for it. And, and not that we have aced all the other challenges, but we try to get out ahead of them. We try to try them before you do so that we can kind of practice what we're going to preach and, uh, and see what's difficult or what's easy and what, what we need to talk about. And, and in fact, in the Trellis Challenge group on Facebook this week, my mom mentioned that she has missed her Bible before phone. She's missed that twice in the last six or seven weeks. And I said, well, I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think that makes you the pastor now. And I think I have to, I think I got to do something else. Like you only missed twice. And so um, we have not aced all of these challenges, but anything we do that we weren't doing is progress, right? Any time we pray, anytime we read, anything we fast, this is all progress, and, and we're all a work uh, in progress. And so a couple weeks back, a few weeks back, I stayed up late one night. Everybody's asleep. I spent a couple hours on the Woodard family calendar, right? And I know that's surprising if you know us because my wife is more the organized one and the list maker, but I was like, I got to get a hold of this. If I'm going to preach on Sabbath, we got to figure out how uh, to do one. And so we, we planned one. Our first one was supposed to be two weeks ago, and we skipped it. So we're doing great. Um, and then <laughs> this week was our actual uh, first Sabbath. Now, for you, you know, people have gotten hung up over the years on, is the Sabbath supposed to be Saturday? Is it supposed to be Sunday? I would suffice it to say, uh, Paul says, to some people, some days are important. It doesn't really matter. Let everybody decide in their own heart what days are most important. And so whether it comes to whether or not you practice certain holidays or you practice certain observances or which day of the week your Sabbath is, if you're off work on Monday and Tuesday, I don't expect you to Sabbath at work on Saturday, right? And so it doesn't really matter what day it is. The heart of Sabbath is what we're uh, trying to get at. And so for us in our house, man, the weekend is a lot of people's days off. Um, it's not ours, okay? And so for us, we're trying a Thursday Sabbath, okay? And we're, we're, we're working on it, and so we're prepping it and excited, dreading it, stressed, too much to be done. And we're going through and doing the, like, okay, we're not going to work. Um, maybe, like, we'll limit cleaning the house to, like, an hour. Like, an hour of cleaning the house is just, like, stuff that has to be done. You know, maybe start a load of laundry that I'll rewash in a few days when I remember it's in there. And, um, you know, whatever. And we're, like... And we can, you know, make some appointments, but not work appointments. So, like, if you need to go, you know, get the oil changed, we can do that or, you know, whatever. And so we, we kind of start to plan our Sabbath. And um, honestly, first mistake, it wasn't all work stuff, but we just, we planned too much, right? Of course, we put too much on our day off. And so um, Brooke starts the day off. And I got permission. Uh, I texted her. and was like, can I say this? Um, Brooke starts the day off with an appointment. And so Brooke had an eyelash appointment, Okay. She has some kind of eyelash surgery, I don't know, every once in a while. Um, but she, I said, can I tell people that you do that? Is that okay? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. Just, uh, just tell them it's the only high-maintenance thing I really do. And then she said, 
but I don't want other people to think that's high maintenance if they do it, so don't make them feel bad, so just never mind, you know, whatever. So um, anyway, so she's, she's at her appointment, so I've got both kiddos, and my mom, uh, future pastor, right, she was gracious enough to uh, take our four-year-old to preschool so that I don't have to get our eight-month-old out in the cold. And so, okay, great, things are going fine, we'll get, we'll get her ready. So she wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, you know, which I no- noticed immediately, as the work of Satan himself on my Sabbath. I'm like, no, 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 we are not, we are not starting this day this way. She wakes up cranky, right? And so we navigate that. Like, she was mad because I got her jeans to wear. She's like, I don't want jeans. And I was like, you, you, she's like, I want comfy pants. And I was like, these are comfy. They're stretchy. She said, there's a button. And I'm like, there is a button. Put them on. Like, brush your teeth. Let's go. And so we get her ready, and I'm like hurrying her and hurrying her. And then I notice Oh, man, mom said she left at this time. Like, Staley, you have 10 minutes to play. Isn't it so great that you got ready? Now you can go play until mama gets here, you know? And she's like, okay. So on our way to the living room to play, uh, Brooke has graciously set out Staley's, you know, daily vitamins, whatever, that I would have forgotten. And so I'm like, oh, Staley, don't forget your medicine. And I give it to her. And one of them's a gummy, and the other one's in a little package, and the package is already open. And any of you that have a four-year-old, you know how things go when you try to do literally anything for them, right? I can do it. And so she's like, I wanted to open that. And I'm not that way. Like, you can do anything for me, right? Like, take anything off my plate. But she's like, I wanted to open it. I said, okay, I'll get you a new one. And I took it, and I folded the foil back down, and I handed it to her. So she opens the trash, and she opens it, and she drops both the packaging and the vitamin in the trash. And I ain't gonna lie, I looked, I would have gave it to her. I would have gave it back to her, let her put it, I would have let her put it in her mouth. But I looked and I couldn't find it. I was like, okay, we'll get a new one. And I get a new one and I start to open it and she says, I wanna open it. And I go, okay, fine. So I let her open it and I go about my business. I'm like, ain't nobody stealing my joy today. I'm gonna read my Bible and I'm gonna relax. And next thing you know, she has spent the whole 10 minutes of playtime opening two pills, okay? So my mom shows up, and she realizes it's time to go to school. There's no time to play. You know where this is headed, right? Absolute, not not possession, but demonic oppression, I would call it, right? (laughs) Like just evil coming out of my daughter, and we just deal with it, put her in the truck, buckle her up, get to the school. My mom texts me, am I supposed to drop her off this way? And I'm like, oh, boy, FaceTime, Mom. And I'm like trying to be pastor dad, you know, so I'm like, Staley, it's okay, honey, it's okay, we'll play today, we got, we got, we got a birthday party later, right, because we didn't plan enough on our Sabbath, and, and we're like, it's going to be fine, and I'm whispering, and we're breathing exercises, prayer, and then I'm breathing a little bit harder and louder, and talking and praying a little bit louder, and then blackmailing, and then threatening, and then yelling, and then for the first time ever, My mom had to just turn around and bring her back home. She didn't go to school. Absolute biggest meltdown she's ever had. I made her stay in her room. Like, it was awesome, right? And so my three hours of like, oh, I'm just going to read and relax and, yeah, out the window. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I I recognize there are principalities coming against our Sabbath. It's going to be okay. So Brooke gets home later. I'm telling you a lot, but listen, like, we tried, okay? We tried to Sabbath. I have a haircut appointment because I'm like, that's relaxing, right? I'll go get my haircut. So I get my haircut, and those of you that know about my uh, wreck in August where I totaled my truck, it was right after a haircut, and I still, weird, like, anxiety. I was like, I'm not going to take that same route. Not that I would wreck again, but I just think I'm going to take a different, more peaceful 
route where I don't think about that accident, right? And so I'm like, I'll take Main Street. I'm 10 feet from the shop, 10 feet. I mean, I barely moved. And I'm at the stop sign, but there's three cars parked in the street. And I can't see. It's sunny. There's three cars. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ease up and see if there's anybody coming. And I ease up just enough to give somebody a heart attack as they drove through full speed, thought that I was running the stop sign, and did some, like, I don't know, some of you guys know sign language, I don't know, like, there were some, <laughs> there were some fingers involved, and I'm like, I'm like apologetic, but you can't say anything, like, you don't have time to explain yourself, I'm just like, <sighs> and they drive on, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to follow them, I'm going to go straight. So I go straight, and then I make a left. Well, they went straight and made a right. And so we meet again, right? I'm sitting at another stop sign, and they're rolling by. And again, uh, some different, like, salutes and stuff, very patriotic family. And, um, and so now I have to turn right. I'm behind them, three or four cars. And I'm like, this is awesome, you know? And they pull over a little four-way stop at a little roadside park there off Main Street. And they're out, and I'm driving by. And again, some finger, I don't know what, you know? And I'm like, okay, and I just pull over, and I'm like, hey, look, I know what you think, I understand, it looks like I just ran a stop sign, I couldn't see, I barely moved, I realized it scared you to death, and they're like, we had an accident before, our kids were in the car, you know, all this drama, all this stress, and I finally make it home, Brooke and I sit down, and I said, I feel like, I mean, it's, it's just like one o'clock in the afternoon, and I said, I feel like we tried to take a Sabbath, and all hell broke loose against us, but... I got a lot of good sermon material for Sunday, and so I'm going to be able to talk about how hard it is to Sabbath. And so we, we uh, did not have a successful first Sabbath at all, but we're going to keep trying because the Sabbath is God's idea. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Um, this is the creation account. God in the beginning, right, just spoke, and there was light, just spoke, and there was wildlife, just spoke creation into existence. And verse 1 says, the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, I think the fact that God rested is a good starting place. I mean, if God does something, maybe we should, you know, check that out. But why did he rest? Why did God rest? You know, we think we should rest because we're tired. God wasn't tired. He's God. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get old. He doesn't, you know, he's not whatever. He wasn't tired. He was just done. And, and you know, God didn't rest because he needed to charge up and re-energize for the following week. That's a bonus for us, but that's not why he rested. And you think, well, you know, he created the people on the earth, and so maybe he thought they needed, you know, he let them, you know, have dominion over the animals and work the garden and all that stuff. Maybe he thought they needed rest, but you'll notice God uh, established the Sabbath on the seventh day. Adam and Eve are a day old. It's their first full day, and boom, Sabbath. And so it wasn't that he was tired. It wasn't that people were tired. He just made a choice to stop and enjoy creation, enjoy his children. God creates a family day, basically, and decides, I'm just going to rest and delight in what I've done. And you can, too. 
you could have that kind of life too, where you actually stop and enjoy God's presence, enjoy creation, enjoy the outdoors, whatever, enjoy your kids, enjoy your spouse, enjoy your work you've done all week. You could actually stop and rest. And if you can't, you're probably like us, and there's some other parts of your life that are out of whack that need realigned. I know a day, an actual day off, not a day for your side hustle. Some of you guys are like, yeah, normally I work on a tractor, so on my day off, you know, I go uh, build houses. That's not a day off, okay? That's not a day off. Now, I do recognize rest looks different for different people. Um, if, if you work all day at a desk writing emails, rest might look like playing with your kids. If you're a stay-at-home mom, rest might look like getting away from your kids and writing some emails, right? And so I recognize that rest looks different, but it's supposed to be actual rest. And I know it's backwards. I know it's counterintuitive, countercultural, upside down, backwards, what all that stuff, right? Subversive. It doesn't really make any sense in the world that we live in that celebrates and rewards overworkers. But, but hear me, if it feels upstream, just remember the only fish capable of swimming upstream are healthy, living, strong fish. You throw some dead fish in the river, they only go one direction, okay? They all go the same direction, and that's where we're headed if we work ourselves to death, okay? And I think our culture is doing that more than, than maybe any other. Work is not bad. I'm not saying you should rest six days a week. Work is good. But God gives us a Sabbath. It's his idea. He establishes it in the garden long before a law is ever written, long before a law is ever given. And then he puts it in the law. So Sabbath was God's idea. Sabbath was God's command. Okay, there was a point where God decided, I'm going to command this of my people. Now, we can get into a whole conversation about, you know, we're under a different covenant and we're under different things, whatever. But the principle, Jesus didn't abolish the law. He didn't throw it out. He fulfilled it. He made it better. And often cases, he even raised the bar on it. But God put it in the law. If you know the Ten Commandments, and some of us are like, do I know? I know there's a few in there. Uh, don't lie, don't kill. I don't know the rest, right? Um, but if you know the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment, to be precise, is about Sabbath. And of all the commands, this is the one that he says the most about. There's the most commentary given on Sabbath. It's funny, of all the commands, it's the one that Christians break probably the most easily, the most often, and even brag about, right? How you doing? Busy. How are, how are you? Tired. When's vacation? What's vacation? Right? This, this is in our culture, but God wants a different way for us. Exodus chapter 20, this is the law, this is the Ten Commandments, right? The Lord speaks through Moses. These things are written on tablets. These are given to the people. Remember to observe the Sabbath day. Maybe it says remember because we forget. Remember, observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. That doesn't just mean it's religious, okay? It means it's set apart. It means it's committed to God. It means it's different than all other days. Like, in a certain way, your birthday is holy. It's different. It's set apart from other days. Fellas, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I just found out. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, okay? So it's a special day. It's set apart, right? Um, Christmas, Easter, these are different days than all the other days. And God says, hey, you know what? I want a day but I don't want December 25th. I don't want Easter. I want a day every week that is mine and yours. This is what God says. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your other ordinary work. God says, I don't want seven. I, want, I don't want six. I want one. 
right? You have six days for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, and he branches out here. It's not just you shouldn't work. He says, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters. All the kids said amen. Your male and female servants, your employees, your whatever. Your livestock, chickens, don't lay any eggs today, right? And any foreigners, travelers living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in it. But on the seventh day he rested. That's why he blessed the Sabbath and set it apart as holy. So we remember the Sabbath. It's easy to forget. We set it apart. It's unique. Not because work is bad. Work is good. Have a job. Get a job. Whatever. Okay? It's good to work. Everyone's hiring. So some of us aren't working. I don't know what's going on. Everyone's hiring. So it's okay to work. And take, taking care of kids is work too. Amen? Amen? All right. Dads are like, I can do it for 14 minutes and I'm exhausted. Right? Um, but listen, we want to work as a form of worship, as part of our worship, not worship work. Right? We don't want to worship work. Because when we worship work, what we really worship is self. Man, my needs, my wants, my dreams, my plans, my kids, I got to give them a better childhood, my vacation, I got to make it awesome, my truck, it's got to be the best. I'm the provider. It all, the world revolves around me. Listen, Sabbath not only relaxes us, it reorients us to who God is and who God is, God is not, namely us, okay? Sabbath reminds me, TJ, the world doesn't revolve around you. It'll all be here tomorrow. And, and listen, if you leave it up to yourself or your boss or your spouse or your bills to tell you how much work is enough, how many hours are enough, how much money is enough, the answer is nev it's never enough. Instead, there's someone outside of all this exhaustion and chaos that goes, I'll tell you how much. Six days of work, one day of rest at least. Okay? So God tells us how much is enough. Now, God, again, God says more here about the Sabbath than any of the other commands, and yet I want to point out it's only four verses. God says a lot, and it's four verses. The religious crowd, the Pharisees, the uh, ancient church folk, they added a lot more. Hundreds and hundreds of lesser commands and rules, which is what legalistic people always do, right? They always are adding rules. Like, it's amazing the things that we have added to Christianity. You're not allowed to do this. You can't do this. You can't do that in church. You better not wear that. You better not. Most of it's nonsense, okay? But they mostly want to know, where's the line? Because we want to get as close to it as we can. We want to point out if somebody else crosses it. We want to brag about how good we're doing, right, and how many of the rules we're keeping. And so, ironically, the Pharisees had made the Sabbath very difficult and burdensome on people. They had made the day of pausing and resting and being with God and being with family a difficult thing, not because it's hard to quit working. They had all these rules about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. They had 39 kinds of restricted work. God had four verses on Sabbath. They had 24 chapters of Sabbath law. At one point, they said, well, you shouldn't bear a burden on the Sabbath. Well, that begs the question, what's a burden? And, and I'm not making this up. These are the conversations. Is it a burden to lift a candle? Is it a burden um, if, 
it for a woman to wear a brooch? Is that heavy on her clothing? Is it a burden if you have fake teeth to pick them up and put them in your mouth? Is it a burden to pick up your child? I mean, if after a Sabbath like that, where you're thinking about everything like that, you might as well just work, right? They have totally missed the point and wandered from this next truth that the Sabbath, it's not just God's idea or God's command, it's God's gift. It's a gift. It's not a burden. Jesus says, come if you're weary, heavy burden. Take my yoke on you and I'll give you rest, right? He, and one of the best ways he does that is the Sabbath. But they don't get that. They miss the point entirely to the point that in Matthew chapter 12, they've decided to quiz Jesus about the Sabbath as he heals a man with a withered hand. And they go, oh, excuse me, Jesus. Is it, do you think it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Isn't that work? Aren't you breaking a rule? I wish Jesus would just say, do you think it's lawful to ask such a stupid question? Right? And he kind of, I mean, kind of does. He goes, uh, let me ask you, if, you're, uh, if one of your sheep fell in a pit on the Sabbath, are you going to leave it till the next day? Or are you going to take it out? That would be work, wouldn't it? I mean, there's a lot of sarcasm that Jesus hits them back with. And, and, and they just don't get it. But, but Jesus makes it clear it's a gift. Mark chapter 2, um, he says to them, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man's Lord, even of the Sabbath. The, the New Living Translation says it this way. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. People weren't made to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And that's where we, man, we just get it backwards all the time. We think that living for God is about like checking off the list and doing all the stuff that God wants us to do so that we could be pleased with him, or he could be pleased with us, and so that we could earn his approval, and so that we could escape, you know, maybe go to heaven, and in the meantime, maybe he, you know, will bless us or whatever. We'll do all the stuff. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I didn't create you to do all the stuff. I created all the stuff for you. It's to bless you. It's to protect you. Like, I didn't have a kid because I wanted to see if that kid could keep its hand off the stove, right? I told the kid, don't touch the stove to protect the kid. I don't care about the stove. I care about the kid. And when God says, handle money this way, treat your marriage this way, handle sex this way, handle forgiveness and enemies this way, it's not because he's trying to get you to check off a list. It's because he knows the best way it all works because he made it all and he made you, right? And so Jesus says, no, listen, we didn't come up with you guys to fulfill the Sabbath. We came up with the Sabbath to fulfill you, to give you rest, right? And so the Sabbath is our gift. And here's a few ways it's a gift. The Sabbath is a gift physically. This is obvious. When we rest, it's crazy. Our bodies actually rest, right? And our creator knows what we need. He knows how we're best designed. And he goes, the best way this is going to work is you do whatever for six days, but on the seventh day, whatever day that is, you rest. And it, science backs it up. NASA research will tell you, man, they're studying these guys because they're going to send them into space and they want them to be healthy and everything else. They say, you know what? Most of the bodily systems operate in seven-day cycles. Huh. What a brilliant idea, right? Workforce experts, they've noticed productivity, morale can stay up if people work five, six days. 40, 50 hours, anything above that, productivity dips, morale dips, mistakes increase, drama increases, problems, accidents, all of this stuff. Huh. 
It's almost like we're better when we're rested. Who could have thought of such a great idea, right? And there are well-meaning, hard-working, overachieving Christian brothers and sisters that you will hear say, well, brother, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And, and to that, I would say, if you burn out or rust out, you're out either way. God doesn't want you out. He wants you in. He wants you doing the good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. And you're not going to do it running on fumes. You're not going to do it in and of your own strength. You say, well, I'm not tired. I don't need a rest. God wasn't tired. He knows what we need. You say, well, I, there's no way I can get everything done. I know it doesn't make any sense. It literally doesn't. I've, your objections are my objections. I've spent two months saying we can't do it. How are we going to do it? There's no way, right? But it's crazy. In God's kingdom, in God's system, he can do more and bless things when you do them his way than you doing them in all of your strength your way. God can do more in your six days with a day of rest than you are getting done in seven he can open and close doors that you can't work hard enough to open and close. And he's capable. It's just like the tithe. You say, well, God, how am I going to get by if, if, if I give you 10% and I only have 90? But God does more with that 90 than you can do with 100. I've seen it over and over and over and over. You say, well, this doesn't make any sense. I'm a bottom line person, pastor. It doesn't make any sense. Well, can you imagine if a business was only open six days a week? And one day a week they closed and didn't sell their holy anointed chicken? <laughs> right? How's that working out? The average KFC, no hate on KFC. I might eat KFC today, okay? Average KFC, that's about 1.1 million. Average Chick-fil-A, open one day per week less, 4.4, okay? Those might be old numbers. I don't know post-COVID how all that's shaken out. But suffice it to say, they're doing, Chick-fil-A is doing all right. And in Jesus' name, Popper Buff will get one one day, okay? But, but they're doing just fine, right? You would think, oh, man, less days, that's less money, that's less wages for workers, that's, that's going to de-incentivize work, that's going to result in worse employees, right? I think they're doing okay. And this is how God works. He does more with less when you give it to him. When you give it to him, you put first things first. He knows what to do. The Sabbath is a gift physically. The Sabbath is a gift spiritually. And again, this should be obvious, but a day set apart to enjoying God, enjoying the things God has given us, man, it's a blessing spiritually. Uh, interestingly, the Chinese word for busy, I should have gave you a picture, but there's two symbols put together. And they're two different words, but they put them together in this one symbol to, to, to make the word busy. And it's a symbol they use for the word heart, and it's a symbol they use for the word killing. Okay? So busy is heart killing. That's their symbol. And, and, and man, if you're not careful, you'll get so busy that you're, you're killing your heart. I've seen it so many times. People come to me, man, I just don't feel God anymore. I just don't hear God anymore. I just don't know if God's real. When was the last time you had any time for him whatsoever? When was the last time you were able to make any investment whatsoever? Well, you know, uh, I go to church twice a month. It's killing our hearts. Jesus doesn't want to kill your heart, okay? He wants to bring life to your heart. He wants you to set a day apart, keep it holy, 
honor God that day. I love um, one of our deacons. We are talking about this at our board meeting this week, and I kind of teased, you know, out. We're talking about Sabbath this week, whatever. And he said, you know, he's like, some people I know, like, on their Sabbath, like, they don't watch any TV, they don't whatever. He's like, we don't totally cut that stuff out, but, like, we might be reading a book that, you know, just builds our faith, or we might be listening to some worship music, or we might even just watch, like, a, you know, watch The Chosen or watch some Christian, you know, television or whatever. And we just kind of, even in our entertainment, just try to kind of lean in to God a little bit better. We'll just take a meal and we'll just let, make, make the conversation longer and talk about what God's doing. We just kind of take the stuff that we enjoy and we just lean into God a little bit better with that stuff. The Sabbath is a gift spiritually. Skip Heitzig said, the Sabbath is not just a pause from work, but a part of worship. It's not just a pause from work, it's a part of worship. And then lastly, the Sabbath is a gift relationally. The Sabbath is a gift relationally. You see it there in the law. Hey, you don't work, but your, your spouse, your kids, your employees, your work, like, it's a gift to everyone. And in Mark chapter 6, Jesus t- speaks to the disciples. Now, if anybody's busy, if anybody's got important work to do, it's Jesus of Nazareth, right? But he says to his disciples, come apart with me, come away with me, to a quiet place and rest. Jesus decided in this limited window he had, a necessary part of his ministry was to stop and him and his friends get away and take a nap, right? And and, and rest and relax. One pastor said, come apart unless you want to come apart, right? Like take a break. Even in the law, the, the employees, the animals are considered. So listen, if you will honor a Sabbath in your life, You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better spouse. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better boss. You'll be a better employee. I promise you. That's just how things work with God. Now, I didn't feel like a better parent Thursday morning. Okay? It's not always, it's not always easy, but it's well worth it. And the truth is, you're not making great decisions if you're not rested. Uh, Jeannie Mayo is a youth pastor. Uh, she had this acronym I was going to put it in there, but I think I forgot, so it's not your fault if there's no slide for this um, acronym. She said, hey, before you make a major decision, make sure you halt, H-A-L-T. And she said, don't do anything crazy if you're hungry, amen, angry, lonely, or tired. We make bad decisions, like the Snickers commercials, right? Like you're not you when you're hungry. We make bad decisions when we're hungry. We make bad decisions. Don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry, right? We make bad decisions when we're angry. We make bad decisions when we're lonely. And we make bad decisions when we're tired. Guess how many of those the Sabbath could help and fix? All of them. Slow down. Enjoy a meal. Slow down. Forgive those who sin against you. Slow down. Enjoy some time relationally. Slow down. Get some rest. Now, um, I will admit the Sabbath takes some work and preparation, right? And it sounds like, well, I thought I'm supposed to just stop. But yeah, it, for most of us, to stop is going to take some adjustments, right? Um, and even like in the wilderness, God gave them manna, and he said, look, I'm going to give you manna six days a week. So on the sixth day, collect twice as much and don't work on the seventh, okay? So for us, like, yeah, you might have to have a calendar meeting. You might have to get ahead. You might have to clean the house the night before. You might have to reorganize some things. But it's worth it. And as you do this, you're acknowledging God, acknowledging his role in your life. God, I don't have what I have because I'm awesome. I don't have what I have because I'm brilliant and such a hard worker. I have what I have because, God, you allow me to have it. You give it to me, and I'm going to steward it the way that you tell me 
to steward it. And it's amazing. He puts more in your hands when he can trust you when you're being faithful with what you have. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Pastor Nate, if you want to come. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's been 40 years since Mount Sinai and the law is given. And Moses, as he reminds the people of the Sabbath, he doesn't point to creation. He points to Exodus. And he says, you remember when we were slaves in Egypt, we've been liberated from that. So you've been liberated from your oppressor, your slave driver. Don't become the oppressor to yourself or to the people under your care. Don't be slaves that were set free only to enslave yourselves again to the almighty dollar or to gain or to, 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 to whatever you're trying to have or get ahead of. And they decided, man, we just can't rest. Other things are more important. And when other things are more important than obeying God, other things are maybe what we're worshiping instead of worshiping God. And so instead of thinking, man, my work is, it's my work, it's from me, it's for me and mine, let's recognize, man, work is a gift from God. And our work is a gift to God and to the people around us. And so if he says stop, it's okay to stop, right? It doesn't mean you're not going to change a diaper on your Sabbath, all right? There's some work that has to be done, right? But, but slow down. Psalm 23 is maybe the fam- most famous psalm. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, notice the word, makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Now, let's <laughs> say so he lets me lie down. He suggests I lie down. Sometimes he has to make me. Sometimes he has to push my head down and just make me stop and lie down because he knows better than me. He knows how far we've traveled. He knows how far we have to go. He knows where the dangers are. He knows where the water is. He knows where the green grass is. And he makes me lie down sometimes even when I don't feel like it. So hey, let this morning be your good shepherd saying, hey, 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 let's stop right here. Let's take a moment and think about the way we're living and think about the pace we're running at. And it's not just hurting you, it's hurting every, everything, everyone. Let's, let's pause. Here's my question this morning. As you just close your eyes for a moment of privacy, are you resting in Jesus? Not just coming to church, but have you found rest for your soul? Today is the day. The Bible says, be still and know that he is God. And we often are being busy and thinking that we are God. But if you could be still, if you could slow down and entertain the idea of restructuring your life, building a trellis of habits and routines that will result in you having a real rest and a real Sabbath, that you take every week as much as possible until our final rest comes. It's okay to be busy. It's okay to work hard. It's okay to be tired. The problem is not the presence of work. The problem is the absence of rest. If you could lean into him, what could that look like for your family? Maybe you just needed somebody to give you permission to rest. You grew up thinking, I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be, you know, whatever. You feel the weight, the burden. God wants to lift that off of you and look us in the eye and say, hey, you've done enough done enough. Jesus says it is finished. And one day it will be. And one day we'll have our true Sabbath. That's the good news of the gospel that we look forward to. One day we'll rest with him. We'll enjoy him forevermore. But in the meantime, find rest for your soul 
Find rest for your calendar. Find rest for your family. Find rest for your God. God, would you speak to my friends? Would you help them? Would you give them creativity? Would you give them resolve? I know, God, if it took me six or seven weeks to figure out how to Sabbath, it might take them a while, but don't let them forget it just because trellis is over. God, let them really consider your word and to not deceive themselves by going out and ignoring it, but to become doers of the word who apply what they hear. God, thank you for the gift of Sabbath and rest. Help us to lean into you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us one last time? We're going to sing a final song together, and then we're going to, we have a child we're going to dedicate before we go our separate ways and head to our Super Bowl parties or whatever. But let's just worship the Lord together. Let's just lean into his rest. Jesus, we need you. We trust you. Forgive us. Help us. Restore our souls. Make us lie down. Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, please visit us on Facebook or at bluffhurst.com.